movies, he went to the movies, he found a portal, it was groovy. Now he's in a multiverse, North-South Connection Podcast Universe. Welcome back to the multiverse of fabulousness. I am your host, Johnny C, and I'm here to take you on a wild and crazy adventure you'll never forget. Uh, but if you're tuning back into the program, as always, thank you so much for giving us a little bit of your time, and hopefully we can uh, share with you a fun experience that'll make you chuckle, make you think, and make you wonder, how the hell has this guy uh, sired children? Now, if it's your first time hopping into the multiverse of fabulousness, I have to say, what were you thinking not listening to every single episode that's come out before? Haven't you ever wondered what WrestleMania 6 would look like if it was put on by WCW? Or haven't you ever wondered what uh, a heel Hulk Hogan in the year 1993 would look like? Uh, if you have, I recommend you check out the back catalog as it grows continuously and continuously as I uh, use talking into this microphone as some sort of form of therapy to get me through the day. And speaking of therapy, all right, and also, actually, I'm okay. Um, a therapy gag, you know, this isn't a uh, 90s movie. I actually think therapy is a good thing, but I'm getting way off the rails. But 90s movie, hating on therapists, is a great jumping off point because when you talk about movies, there are some great archetypes out there when it comes to film. And that is sort of going to be the genesis of uh, today's quest to the multiverse. You know, a lot of us here watch professional wrestling, and every once in a while, uh, they dabble into different genres of storytelling, okay? Uh, the, the easy go-to for everybody is the Macho Man Randy Savage stuff. Like, aside from being about a crazy guy who talks in a unique cadence, um, uh, beating people up, it's not a story about him beating up people. It's really a, a long, thought-out love story. A story about an emotion that unifies two humans together. Uh, and that's pretty cool. It's pretty cool that, you know, the circus, uh, that is professional wrestling can sometimes cross over into genres. Uh, another genre I've been thinking about a lot lately is sort of the like 80s boob comedy. All right. If you pardon the expression, it's a little dated, but then again, so are low budget movies that actually turn a profit these days, which as a, as a side note, there are so many genres of film that just don't get made anymore because of the the Hollywood studio system relying upon bankable uh, IPs to basically keep their studios afloat. And then every once in a while, you'll find an original project, uh, if you will, on you know some sort of streaming service or in limited theatrical distribution to try to win an Oscar. But it's like you're either Oscar bait, uh, blockbuster. And that's it. Whatever happened to the mid-range, like, modest budget movies that just turned a profit? You know, your $20 million comedy starring a bunch of kids, American Pie, for example, that goes on to make like $100 million, And holy shit, your studio just found $80 million. That kind of shit doesn't seem to drive people to the theaters these days. At least it hasn't been driving me. You know, maybe it's a, the, the culture is aging. You know, my kids, I can't. You know, they're like a 11 and 9, just as an example. But 9-11, it's a conspiracy. You have children that are 9-11. Where were you on September? No, no, all right, fair enough. Um, but, like, I can't pay my kids to go to the theater. You know, I was asking just the other day. I'm like, hey, you guys want to go see Sonic the Hedgehog 2? Because, you know, I love Idris Elba. And, I'm, you know, we saw the first one. I, fuck, I'm a video game nerd, too. I mean, I might as well, you know, I, I can't think that, uh, you know, a two-hour fun you know, time at the movies is a waste of time. And, and you know, you got to support the shit that you appreciate. But they were like, hell no. I couldn't, you know, I, I, I was like, hey, we get popcorn, ices, candy, yada, yada, yada. They're like, hell no. So um, maybe it's back to the whole point of this was that I, I don't know if like the movie theater is an experience that people that are my age, I'm 39. Um, you know, I, I saw every fucking movie that came out when I was a teenager. Uh all those bullshit teen comedies. Here's some movies I saw in the theater multiple times, just to give you an example. Loser, starring Jason Biggs. Stigmata, starring one of the Arquettes. 
The Devil's Advocate. These are movies I randomly went to on like a Thursday night or a Sunday afternoon and ended up seeing multiple times with different groups uh, of friends just because maybe one person wanted to see it or what have you. It blows my mind. I'm not getting up for the movies like that now. I'm going to go see like The Batman or I'm going to go see Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Fabulousness. Uh, Lawsuit is pending against them trying to get that name changed. But uh, we'll you know, we'll see how it goes. So. I don't know who the audience is for a movie like American Pie, just to to pivot back to that original example. But, you know, it's all about fitting into a genre. Okay, so American Pie is like that 90s, 80s boob comedy. Uh, You know, they're in high school. American Pie 2 is, you know, your college boob comedy. You think about like Animal House. Uh, back to school, Revenge of the Nerds. Jesus Christ, I love Revenge of the Nerds. No, it doesn't age well, but that's why they're called 80s boob comedies. And yes, uh, Elephant in the Room, they usually have female nudity. I'm not saying that's a good thing. I'm saying that when I call it like an 80s boob comedy, you probably have an idea exactly what I'm talking about. Bring them back and have male nudity across the board. I don't care. I'm all for equal opportunity. We'll call it... uh, 2020's dick comedy. I don't care. The nudity is not important, but what's important is that it's a movie that's usually a hard R rating, uh, and it's made on the cheap, and it makes a lot of money, hopefully. Okay. So how the fuck does that fit into the multiverse of fabulousness? Well, I, you know, as the theme song tells you every time, every time I go to see a movie, I find a portal in the theater, and it sure is groovy, and I jump into the portal. And I feel fabulousness and I I go out through the multiverse and I am a professional multiverse traverser when it comes to finding pop culture variants. So I go to these other Earths and I specifically try to find something that's different from our Earth and report it back. Well, I jumped into my portal and what did I find? I had boob pictures on the mind. Now I'm going to rap and sing. Don't you know what I can bring to the table? I'm going to wrap some shit. PN News, he's a hit. Oh, my God. ADD is a hell of a thing, folks. Um, It's real and it hurts. All right. But my point is this. I went to Earth 316, an Earth where the boob comedy still exists. And to top that off, WWE Films is actually still a competitive studio with exclusive stuff that streams on the WWE Network uh, on HBO Max, apparently, on our 316. That's a hell of a contractual deal to uh, nest up there, Vince. Good job indeed. But what they've got on this earth is kind of like a, I don't want to know if I, you know, I don't want to compare it to Camp WWE, okay, because I, I think that show was an ultimate failure but a great concept, okay? And so what they've done is they've created this hit program uh, this lasted for seasons and seasons, won Emmys, all sorts of stuff. It's an animated boob comedy, um, but it's set at a fictional collegiate university called WWE University. Of course, what the hell else would it be called? And it's set at the turn of the century, and there's a lovable ragtag group of characters that find themselves at odds with the stuffed shirt uh, crew team, if you will, uh, the rowers at the university, and the evil dean, Vince McMahon. Holy shit, it's like Hulk Hogan's Rock and Wrestling, where Hulk Hogan and his good guy friend's brother were always at odds with, you know, it was like Iron Sheik and Nikolai Volkov and all those, Classic Freddy Blassie, those 80s heels, except now it's the 90s, and it's Stone Cold and his fraternity of fuckwads. Well, they're not fuckwads. I just wanted an excuse to say fraternity and fuck in the same thing. But his fraternity of ragtag, uh, crazy party-going dudes, if you will, versus the stuffed shirt dean, Vince McMahon, and his crew team that uh, wins the university lots of accolades out there in the real world and makes them look good, which is, of course, what the dean wants to be. He wants to be the best university in the Ivy League. So... I watched the pilot episode of WWE University, and it really gave me a solid foundation that I feel like I can report back to you and and talk about what this show's all about and what it brings to the table. So put your seatbelts on, folks. Strap in and any other colloquialism that revolves to a manner of safety. Let's dive into the portal and travel to Earth 316 and talk about WWE University.
Okay. So now, as the sweet tone of that awesome Metroid soundbite from the classic 90s, I almost said 80s video game Metroid has let you know, we've now made it to Earth 316. So let's get in touch and enroll with WWE University. Now, every movie or TV show or what have you, what have you that we like, uh, usually has what's known in the biz as a POV character or a point of view character. This is a character that is usually the main character. Uh, they're not necessarily the story. So they don't have to be the main character in a sense that every bit of the story revolves around them. But they're a character that we can see and learn about this world through their eyes. Okay. Think, um, what's a good one? Okay, let's just use American Pie as an example, okay? Most people have seen it, especially if you're listening to a podcast about wrestling hosted by a dude who's almost 40 uh, in his underwear. Actually, that's a lie. I don't wear underwear. But the point is, is that Jason Biggs is kind of like your POV character in American Pie. You could argue he's the main character. His group of, like, every scene doesn't revolve around him or what he's dealing with or what have you. He's got his ragtag group of friends with him. But at the end of the day, we meet these characters because we're following uh, Jason Biggs or Jim, if you will. And even though, uh, you know, he's sort of our jumping off point, he's sort of our base as well. You know, we start with him. We probably finish with him. And, you know, along the way, he's probably going to have the, like a third act struggle that we're going to have to walk through with him. So WWE University's point of view character was actually a pretty cool choice. It's little Mikey Cole. He's a freshman at WWE University who's just learning the ropes. Um, he's a typical 99 kid. He's got, you know, frosted tips. He's used to never really getting into trouble at his old high school because even though he wasn't one to turn away from mischief or a party or a good time, because he was a straight-A student, the good kid, what have you, he always sort of got away with it, but nothing too serious. Okay, it's like he ran over somebody with his car and then didn't tell anybody and got away with it. Okay, nothing, nothing crazy like that. Maybe he hosted a prom party, and when the cops came, even though they knew it was little Mikey Cole's house, he got off with just a warning as long as mom and dad made sure to ground him for a week. Which, let's not lie, in small, white, 90s communities happened all the time, as I can attest to. Uh, he wants to be a reporter. He's got a long-distance girlfriend back in his hometown. Uh, but over the course of the show, he starts to fall for the evil Dean's daughter. So we get to watch that evolve over the seasons. But like I said, he's a freshman. He's getting the ropes. And, you know, when he can't quite fit in anywhere, because now we're at college where everything's different, he ends up, uh, you know, becoming a member of one of the local fraternities of the university. And that fraternity is none other than Alpha Sigma Sigma, or ass, as it says on their fraternity house. Now, if there is an Alpha Sigma Sigma, I apologize for using your name. However, I do not apologize for the fact that even though it doesn't look like it in Greek, uh, your fraternity is ass. And who's the leader of ass? Well, he's our big hero character. He's the Hulk Hogan of this not Hulk Hogan's rock and wrestling, but he's clearly the leader of the good guys and the person we're supposed to be enthralled with the most. Well, obviously, you're going to fight an evil Krusty Dean. Who's the leader of the, you know, ragtag group of fraternities, fraternity people that want to be a thorn in his side? Of course, it's Stone Cold Steve Austin. He's the leader of ASS. You know, he used to be the top wrestling prospect in the nation. And in his backstory, we learned that the evil Dean tried to get him to throw a match. And when he refused to and won the match, the Dean lost his bet. But he won the war by getting Steve Austin kicked off of the wrestling team. Now, what's crazy about this scenario is that this happened years and years and years ago. As a matter of fact, Stone Cold Steve Austin should have graduated years ago. But every semester, he re-enrolls in recreational tree climbing which is a real course at my alma mater, Cornell. Uh, but he fails the course on purpose every semester so he can re-enroll the next semester and still be a student at WWE University. It sounds a little bit like Van Wilder. Well, fuck you, because that's where I stole it. Uh, he also 
uh, is kind of, uh, you know, rough around the edges. Over the years, he's gotten a little hard. He kind of start. I think what would happen to Mikey Cole over the years if you spent most of your life in college drinking the whole time with your buddies and being in sort of a prank war with Vince McMahon, that's what Steve Austin has become. He's still in great shape. He's still an ass kicker. Can stomp a mud hole in you anytime. Uh, he also uh, has an inner ear problem, but he refuses to get a hearing aid to address the issue. So he often asks people what they said by saying, what, what, what? Am I going to do it one more time? I am. What? And of course, to the surprise of no one, you know, he, over the course of the show, starts to take little Mikey Cole under his wing, wants to teach him how to be an ass kicker. He acts like he's really tough. He is really tough, but underneath he's got a heart of gold. Everybody loves Han Solo, and there's a reason why. That's pretty much Stone Cold's archetype in WWE University. But two people do not a fraternity make. Let's meet some of the other members of ASS. Dude Love. He's the stoner kid that we all know and love. He's always having a good time. He often rambles, uh, tells nonsensical stories, but there's a hook in every episode, he ends up telling the gang a crazy story that just happens to, in a little bit, relate to the shenanigans or to the pickle that they're in in that particular episode. And through his story, they find a way to save the day. Does he ever go to class? I don't know. He looks like Mick Foley. Does he fail every course like Steve Austin? No. He's just a regular college student who looks like Mick Foley and is called Dude Love. He also has a weird thing that uh, because he's constantly high and, uh, you know, we get lots of good stoner gags off of him, he calls everybody Steve-O, regardless of whether or not that's their real name. Next on the ass roster, we've got Taka. He's a little guy that the group has, you know, sort of adopted over the years. Uh, he comes across as being very wimpy, so they kind of go out of their way to protect him. As you can guess from his sweet name, he is Taka Mishinoku. He is a Japanese a transfer student uh, that actually speaks fluent English, uh, but pretends not to because he just kind of likes to see what people do around him. Uh, he is the whiz kid of the group, okay? And that has come in handy a lot over the years. Because whenever the gang over there at the ass house gets into trouble, maybe fails a course, forgets to go to class, or etc., uh, Taka is the whiz kid with the computers. So he can get in and change their grade or maybe reroute the police to a different house if there's a, a you know a, a phone call being called in because the lovable gang at the ass house is having a party that's way too loud. Uh, he has a secret backstory, though. What nobody knows about Taka the whiz kid is that, yes, he speaks fluent English, but his dad is actually the head of the Yakuza back in Japan, which means Taka is a formidable fighter and uh, kind of a, a person who can get down to brass tacks and uh, get dirty when the situation calls for it. But, you know, he walks around with his glasses on and he's the nerd. Uh, I, you know, you got to have one. You got to have a character like this in uh, every show. Plus... Side note, oftentimes, for unexplained reason, we see in the background a shapely ninja, if y'all remember the shapely ninja, following Taka around campus. Uh, it's revealed later, I think in season three, that the shapely ninja was actually sent by his father to make sure that Taka isn't getting into any shenanigans that would besmirch House Mishinoku and the rest of the Yakuza. Now, up to this point, the lovable gang over at the ass house kind of sounds like a stereotypical mix of college dudes. And, you know, as we're trying to make an entertaining show, that's what uh, we... Oh, excuse me, one second. Oh, thank you very much. Yeah. Now, fans of the Multiverse of Fabulousness, we've reached a crossroads, and I apologize for interrupting my previous uh, thought pattern. Do I or do I not go back and edit the point where the... Lovely associate at McDonald's brought me my curbside order. I'll tell you what, I'm going to allow it. I'm going to leave it in and we're going to do something 
unexpected live on the air, we are going to dive into the mystery of the mysterious, yes, I said mystery mysterious, uh, McDonald's Shishishuan chicken nugget sauce. Yes, I don't know if I said Shishishuan properly, and I'm not trying to do that as a gag on a culture. I just have a really hard time pronouncing it, despite my mastery of the English language. So this Shishishuan sauce is long sought after and obviously uh, is well known in the public sphere at this point for causing riots uh, because of the lovable characters Rick and Morty uh, brought Shishichuan sauce uh, back into the cultural zeitgeist. Now, I don't really watch Rick and Morty. I have nothing against it. I just, you know, uh, when I was in college, it was Family Guy. You know, let's sit around and, um, you know, have ourselves a time and watch Family Guy and laugh and giggle until we pass out. And that's totally fine. I kind of feel like that's what this generation's is. So, live on the air, I am going to dip a chicken nugget into Shishichuan sauce from Earth 316. That's how we'll tie it back in. And I will tell you on the spot if it is worth killing for, if it is worth maiming for, or if it is simply normal. Please excuse any chewing you may hear as this is completely unplanned. Okay, I'm sorry if that sounded gross. I don't have any control over my impulses. I do not see what's all the fuss about. While I do appreciate Disney's Mulan, I don't know if Shishetuan sauce should really be something that we fight for. That being said, it's certainly tasty. Um, I don't know that I'll order it moving forward. Um... Back to the boys at Ass House, however. They're a progressive group. They're not just boys getting down and dirty. We've also got our first lady, China. And we, and we shouldn't say just China by herself. It's China and Miss Kitty. <laughs> so uh, China is a woman. You know, she, she, uh, she obviously, she lives her life uh, without apologizing to anyone. Okay. Uh, you know, she is who she is. Uh, and she's she's damn proud of it, as the commentators would say. So she joined ass uh, back in her early years because she wasn't allowed to join the boys football team, which is unfortunate. Uh, not, uh, it's a cartoon. All right. I'm not going to get into real life politics. It's a cartoon. Whatever. Um, but she's gone pre-law at WWE University so she could get back at the system. And and one of the fun gags about China and Miss Kitty is that uh, China is oftentimes out and about, and every time that she is, Miss Kitty goes with her everywhere. I should mention uh, that Miss Kitty is a little black cat that, you know, is cute and has like a pink bow tie and she doesn't talk. She's a, she's a fucking animated cat. What are you going to do? And uh, they go everywhere together. She actually uh, will flash back every once in a while. She tells a story about the good old days when she was the quarterback of the high school football team about, uh, you know, her Miss Kitty was even with her when they played football. Maybe China throws that game winning pass, takes off her helmet to celebrate. And Miss Kitty's in there like, yeah, just resting and sleeping and cheering China on. Now, how the fuck does that work? How does she fit into a helmet without getting squashed? And how can China put it on her head? I will remind you. It is an animated comedy television show about professional wrestlers going to a fake college. All right. So what else do we have? She's pre-law, as I mentioned. She often uses those pre-law skills to pretend to be an actual lawyer when the gang gets caught red-handed in their fucking shenanigans. Um, one of the nice side gags about Miss Kitty uh, following China around everywhere is Miss Kitty, uh, well, to be crass, she likes to mount uh, pretty much anything that is in her uh, perspective, her viewpoint. Anything she sees, a fire hydrant, a tree, a dude walking down the street, a pizza box, it doesn't matter, she will mount and hump it. Uh, China is completely oblivious to this fact. Uh, you know, you might do a gag where China's walking down the street and Miss Kitty has stopped to hump a fire hydrant 
China turns around to call her, and Miss Kitty just, you know, stands over the side. She wasn't doing anything at all. China never sees it. But the boys of Ass House wonder why she calls the cat Miss Kitty when all it does is hump fuck everything that it sees. It's part of the fucking goal or the, the gold standard set by television in the 90s. I love it. We're moving right along. Who's next? Mark Henry. Hey, he's a strong man with a heart of gold. You know, he can he can beat up absolutely anyone, but he'd prefer to talk it out if there's a potential conflict. You know, he's a real sort of soft-spoken bruiser type. He's fluent in over six million forms of communication, which I did not steal from a gold rod robot. And he's an amateur world's strongest slam poet. So we could have a lot of fun with that. Uh, you ever see uh, 22 Jump Street? <laughs> Cynthia! Cynthia, Jesus died for our sin. The that's one of my favorite gags ever. Um, oh, fun fun fact about the Mark Henry character in this cartoon. So one of the uh, the the backstory gags for Mark Henry is that the very first party of his freshman weekend, he met a girl and, and he fell in love with her. But then he got so blackout drunk. He can't remember her name or what she looks like, only that they had sweet, sweet, sweet sexual chocolate love. And uh, other than that, though, she did leave behind one glove in his dorm room. And Mark carries this hand with him everywhere he goes, hoping to find the maiden fair that fits the glove. And wouldn't you know it, his favorite food is also Silsbury steak. Because, you know, he's from. Silsby, Texas. I don't know why. That's always popped me. Uh, so much that my high school friends and I used to, you know, I don't know if it's like, hey, do you want to go to the movies with my friend Rob this weekend? I, uh, you know, I know you haven't met Rob. And, you know, they'd be like, yeah, I know Rob. Isn't he from Silsby, Texas? Like, I, and, and that's the gag. And I'm not saying that it's funny. Okay. I'm telling you that it happened. I'm not going to hide that fact. For some reason, Silsby, Texas pops me. I think maybe Mark Henry said it in an interview. I mean, obviously, coming down the aisle from Silsby, Texas. You know, they say it every fucking time. But I feel like he said it in some interview, and it was just, I don't know. You know how you kind of, you watch a movie a thousand times, and everybody knows, like, the funny gag. Oh, yeah, he fucks the pie. But what about that, like, subtle look that one of the characters gives in some random scene, and, and, and then... Like, that's the thing that pops you. You've seen the movie so many times, it's the little gag that's not even a gag that pops you. Silsby, Texas pops me. I'm not going to talk about it any longer, but, um, yeah, I love it. And I love the thing about, like, animated cartoon shows, just to sort of swing back to the Ass House members, is that, you know, throughout the course of all these seasons, I'm sure that many top WWE superstars appeared on the show in various forms and what have you. But when you talk about the main cast, there's one more member of the ass house that needs to be brought to attention. And I got to tell you, th this one blew my mind, but he ended up being one of my favorites. So this character is called The Undertaker. Uh, apparently, back in the day, his, he was in high school known as Big Mark Calloway. You know, he was a star of his high school basketball team, but he got into a little bit of trouble. All right. He got busted sneaking into mortuaries late at night, but nobody really said anything. He kept playing basketball. You know, he was a star of the town, varsity blues, you know, cops aren't going to arrest you. Hell, they're going to give you a beer, tell you to go in there and have your fun. So uh, he made a mistake, though. There was a, spe a special mortuary uh, he broke into and he ended up, uh, you know, having sex with the corpse of a local wizard's wife. Okay, now this wizard cursed Mark by making him the walking undead. So now he's decided to enroll in WWE University. And guess what? He's the star of the university basketball team. And no one gives a shit that he's a zombie. And I'm not saying he's like pale. I'm saying he's a zombie. Uh, he's even being touted as a potential number one draft pick for the NBA. Uh, no one bats a fucking eye that this supernatural creature is in front of them on a court dunking a basketball. Um, 
It sounds like Teen Wolf because it is, because that is the greatest fucking movie of all time. And if you want to have a pleasant conversation about why it is or isn't, hit me up on Twitter at the Johnny C. That's J-O-N-N-I-E-S-E-A, like the water. And we can discuss it calmly and rationally. Uh, one of the returning gags I noticed is that The Undertaker, Big Mark, is is constantly being hounded by like paparazzi and agents asking if he's going to go pro. And one of the gags is like he'll just get annoyed and grab one of them and just eat them. Like in front of everybody else. You know, like a reporter will be like, Mark, are you going to declare for the 2022 NBA draft? And he'd just grab them and like bite into their throat. Like, and then the corpse would drop. And the next one would be like, Mark, is it true that you've been talking to the Brooklyn Nets? Like, no one cares. And that's the glorious part about it. Um, he's so cool. He is absolutely the big man on campus. Uh, you know, they, maybe they're going to qualify for the March Fabulousness tournament. I don't know. But he is the one member of Ass House that the evil Dean wishes he had under his leadership. It's like he's the one guy that Vince actually respects. Undertaker, you need to come to my uh, Dean's office and I'll get you something to eat. A nice, voluptuous woman. I'll tell you what, Mark. You can eat her any way you want. You can saute her. You can roast her. Boil her. I get to watch, though. All right, this gag isn't going anywhere because I can't think of anything funny to say. But he's the Undertaker. He's the star of the basketball team. And uh, that's going to round up the ass house boys. But don't worry because there's plenty of more content to come. And speaking of content, while I have your complete attention... Before we get into the evil gang of WWE University, I want to talk about the North-South Connection Podcast Network and all the fantastic content that is available for you. I want to start with the Cronoso Daily Podcast Project. So Monday through Friday, your stereotypical uh, weekday, uh, work days, if you will, we drop a short podcast that covers one match from a specific event and then the next day, you get the next match. So, for example, if it's Monday and you get the last match of, uh, I don't know, a Saturday night's main event in March, the next day you might get the first match of WrestleMania 3, for example. So it's a lot of fun. There's so many different unique voices. Uh, you get to hear a lot of the content creators and sort of, it, you know, a lot of us do it solo, not all of us. Uh, special shout out to Jenny and Logan, who are a team. They need a team name, though. I don't know if they are. Oh, fuck, they gave themselves a team name, and I'm ruining their gimmick. I was going to say they're going to be uh, the sorority, the submission sorority, or the, uh, I don't know, some gag that involves her dragging him around on a dog chain or something, because that was what they were going to do with the sorority sisters or the, uh, I don't care. It, it, it's gone. It's gone. The moment has fleeted. Uh, but yeah, so there's all sorts of awesome content there. You get a, a feel for the voice of each of the creators. And what's awesome about that is like, let's say you're listening to, I don't know, the British Bulldogs and the Dream Team from Saturday Night's Main Event with Aaron George. And you're like, fuck, man, I want to hear this guy talk about Shakespeare some more. Well, just follow up and look at the shows that Aaron's a co-host on. You've got No Holds Barred every uh, you know, on Saturdays with different topics. You've got TNA Never Dies with JT and Jenny. Uh, you've got Now Enter the Royal Rumble. My point being that uh, you find someone you like, or helpfully just like everybody, but you can find a show that we do. Uh, New Gen on a Mission just came back. I'm pretty stoked for that. I got pretty fucking heavy into looking at 1993 stuff uh, when I came up with the Hollywood Hulk Hogan story from the last Multiverse episode, which I hope you all enjoyed. Uh, cheap plug. So I'm excited to see, you know, to be able to follow what actually happened because I just went and cherry picked moments from like King of the Ring and SummerSlam and stuff like that. Uh, so I could alter history for the Multiverse of Fabulousness. But I want to learn about the real history. So welcome back indeed. We had a shit ton of Mania coverage. Check out any of that stuff. Uh, after every live event, uh, we, you know, on, you know, I'm here three Sundays a month, but on the other Sunday, after there's a pay-per-view, you know, take a look for listener's choice. It shows up on the feed pretty quickly after the pay-per-view premium live event ends, and they'll let you know what to watch, what to skip, uh, you know, and all sorts. It, it saves me a lot of time. And one of the, my favorite things, actually, is when I watch a full pay-per-view instead of just, like, the main event or something. Like, I watched WrestleMania, and 
you know, sort of comparing my opinions of the must watch, must skip and what have you to theirs and getting a feel for, do I understand how to properly critique professional wrestling? Um, you know, so that's a lot of fun for me. And, uh, you know, I, I don't mean to, to not mention anyone. Uh, there's a shit ton of shows. So just subscribe to the entire network feed, write a review, you know, follow us on social, uh, all those stereotypical things that people say that you fucking hate. Just do it though. All right. Moving right along. So the evil Dean is obviously Vince McMahon. And one thing I will say that Camp WWF got correctly was Vince McMahon not only playing himself, but just being like the absolute batshit, like, I don't know, I don't want to call him like a Mr. Burns type character, but, you know, they could be talking about, you know, they need to adjust the menu in the cafeteria, you know, and Vince would be like, adjust the menu in the cafeteria. These little bastards are lucky that they can eat. I got trapped in the Sahara Desert, and I prayed to the god Konshu. Now, I have all the food that I ever want, but I am also his avatar of death. You know, and then cut away to him, like, killing people in the desert and being like, ha-ha! Like, that's like a family guy type gag. But the, the thing is, the Vince McMahon character needs to be over the top. Like, Jay Peterman um, mixed with Hans Gruber from Die Hard, I think, is a great way to do it. And one of the things that I, I think would be a great gag with Vince, and I, I, this is into my head because I, I actually enjoyed the Seth freaking Rollins. Can we stop making the announcers say freaking every time they say Seth Rollins' name? I have no problem with getting something over as a gimmick, okay? Like, I don't have any problem with, you know, when, the, like, The Fiend, okay? If they're like, The Fiend is taking it to Matt Hardy, you know, or something like that or whatever. Like, I get it, like, yeah, it's Bray Wyatt, but the fiend is like a thing. Or like calling Randy Orton the Viper every once in a while because it's like Orton with the DDT. You know, maybe another a minute later he does like an arm drag, and you're like the Viper with an arm drag. It keeps things, you know, different. It it switches things up. It it makes it so you don't get really repetitive. But Seth freaking Rollins is just not only not the best gimmick nickname for a wrestling character, but having to fit in the freaking every time is really, really, really putting shit out of place. Seth freaking Rollins, Rollins drops the elbow. How about Rollins drops the elbow or Seth now measuring his opponent. Seth freaking Rollins is measuring his opponent. Like I, uh, and you know, they're making him do it. They're making him do it. It just bugs me. Like, there's overproducing, there's underproducing, and then there's an appropriate level of producing. Just, god damn it. So where was I? Oh yeah, so Seth freaking Rollins is talking to Vince, and there's the giant fucking carnivorous Asaurus Rex fucking skeleton skull that's there. I love it. That is the absolute fucking thing that, like, the cartoon supervillain version of Mr. McMahon should have on his office wall. But what the best part of it is that's what the real Vince McMahon has on his wall. It's too perfect, but he should sometimes like hallucinate and talk to Scully or uh, Dino or whatever the fuck you want to call it. He can kind of be like his Smithers, like Scully, the goddamn boys of the ass house. They've stolen the cheerleaders uniforms. I don't know what to do. What's that? You're right. I could buy them new uniforms, but I'm going to cheer the game myself. You know, and he rips off his suit, and he's got, like, a male cheerleader uniform, and he's like, Thanks again, Scully! And he jumps out the window, like, to the basketball game so he can cheer on the crew. You know, that's what I want from this character. I wanted, But I also need him to be the crusty old Dean, too. You know, he has to get pissed off when the boys of Ass House, you know, steal the cheerleader uniforms or turn the, um, the giant fountain in the middle of the university square into, like, a, um, a fountain of beer or Everclear. Ugh, you guys ever drink Everclear? Like, what son of a bitch, you know, has the party, and then it's like, yeah, man. <laughs> hey, this is Kevin Nash. Throwing an Everclear party? Uh, you can come. Just bring three of your lady friends. Oh, and, uh, make sure they have some of this Everclear. They'll be fine. It's not strong or anything. I mean, you're a pussy, it's strong. I don't know. Kevin Nash, Everclear party, uh, planner, I guess. That's <laughs> but yeah, so crazy Vince McMahon. Uh, I don't think we need to go any deeper into that. We all get it. I mean, the fa- the man is a walking caricature of this character character himself. Uh, you don't really need to amp it up that much. But he's up against the boys of Ass House, Alpha Sigma Sigma. 
he needs a crew of his own. And I mentioned earlier that he's in charge of the evil gang of characters in this show, which is actually the crew team. They row crew, if you will. They're the best of the best. And, uh, you know, what, like, the, the villain in 80s college movie should never be like, I mean, yes, you can be the head jock. Um, what I was going to say, like, quarterback of the football team is too easy. Rowing crew, or like, the king of the diving team, or like, the master of the archery squad. Like, that's what you need in a college movie. It's gotta be fucking ridiculous. So, he's in charge of the crew world order. Oh yeah. The rowing team is called the Crew World Order. And they have CWO t-shirts and everything. And they, on Earth 316, I tried to buy one. I tried to buy a Crew World Order shirt. But they're on eBay for like $3,000. I couldn't get it. I can't afford that. I mean, if it's $2,000, I can afford that. But $3,000 is way too much. So, let's get into the weeds and dive in with the Crew World Order. Now, the CWO is obviously meant to be the villains of the program, if you will. But... You know, what's interesting about it is that each one of them has identifiable character traits and is kind of their own character. They aren't just faceless villains, if you will. And that actually goes a long way to providing a lot of the comedy. So the leader of the CWO, I think will be obvious, it's a character named Dwayne. <laughs> I mean, if Mr. McMahon is trying to defeat an evil, or, uh, you know, defeat Steve Austin at, uh, you know, college nonsense, you gotta have The Rock being Mr. McMahon's uh, corporate villain, you know, whatever you want to call it. So, we're foregoing The Rock, though, and we're, we're creating this Dwayne character that's just the absolute worst. All the worst things you hate about Dwayne Johnson's Instagram, or The Rock as he is now, or what have you, is pretty much what this character is. It's like, um... It's like he was born with two silver, silver, two silver, two silver spoons in his mouth instead of one. And he's completely different in public versus the way that he is in private. So, you know, when he's out in public, when he's rowing crew, he's like, you know, the peak human, you know, he, he's got presidential aspirations. That's part of his character, not a gag. And, you know, he's, he's just, he's the best, um, He's the most well-spoken person in the room. He's kind, you know, he's adopted animals, you know, all this stupid shit. But then, you know, when the doors close, he becomes, Dwayne, I'll tell you what, you sons of bitches, I told you to row that goddamn crew, you know, or whatever. That's not very funny, but, you know, you can imagine what it is. It's like, um, ah, you ever see Wedding Crashers? Bradley, Bradley Cooper's great in Wedding Crashers when he's, like, around people and he's all like, oh, yeah, I'm Bradley Cooper. And then when he's not around people he's like oh i'm evil bradley cooper you know <laughs> crab cakes and football that's what maryland does all right uh focus okay so he does sometimes as a character flaw get a little jealous because it seems like vince mcmahon cares more about defeating ass than actually helping the cwo succeed so there's a little bit of conflict there uh, there's a gimmick, a recurring gag in the show where he does the people's eyebrow. Now, he only does it once per episode, but every time he does, uh, someone in the background uh, has an orgasm, you know? So he, like, does the people's eyebrow, and then it's like, ah, and then cut to the next scene or whatever. Um, you know, and they find unique, funny ways to work it in, like it's the goddamn Simpsons couch gag. He also sometimes uh, sings like Elvis to his oar, just because I think that's funny. But he can't do it alone. Just like Stone Cold trying to groom little Mikey Cole, uh, Dwayne has a, a cast of characters at his command. And there's some alliteration for you. The first are the Shamrock Twins, Kenny and Kenny. They are identical twins that were bred specifically to row crew for WWE University. So one of them is, you know, it, it's obvious. It's two Ken Shamrocks, okay? Yeah, yeah, I, we get it. Ken, but their names are Kenny and Kenny. Um, one of them is all prim and proper, and, you know, I am, we are men of WWE University. You know, like that uh, cannibal dude from the social network who played the twins? Yeah. Uh, but the other one is a little bit different. While the other, while Kenny is a tremendous communicator and man of Harvard, if you will, the other Kenny can only say, Dang! and punch himself in the face twice. That's his only means of communication, much like Ken Shamrock himself, 
uh, when he would enter the ring. So they are usually used as muscle characters for the CWL. They didn't get a whole lot of screen time, some of the episodes that I saw. Uh, but there definitely was a great episode of comedic shenanigans where Kenny had a date, uh, but he didn't like the girl, so he made Kenny go on the date, and Kenny actually fell in love with the girl. Uh, I thought it was pretty fucking funny myself. And, uh, oh, I should probably mention, too, one of the great gags is that Kenny has a collection of human ankles that he keeps in their, uh, you know, in their fraternity crow, rug crow, fraternity crew house, uh, but the other Kenny can't stand it. So, I don't know, I thought that was pretty funny. Uh, moving right along the Sleazebag Express, Steve Blackman. Steve Blackman, in this show, is a conspiracy theory nut uh, who's certifiably insane but strong enough to row crew. It's revealed that the only reason that he got into WWE University at all is because his great aunt is a United States senator. Um, he's kind of unhinged. But early on in the series, it's revealed that Vince McMahon does have complete control over the character because he's convinced him that the members of the ass house uh, sell furniture with children inside of them. So that gets Blackman on Vince's side and he, he joins the CWO. And, um, you know, he's, he often has outbursts. He's a character, you know, maybe there's like a nice dinner scene where the crew team is being treated uh, to, a, to an interview, a banquet, if you will, with the elite donors of WWE University. And, you know, he just snaps like, You sons of bitches! You want to give everybody health care? God damn it! I should kill every one of you! And then Dwayne's like, Whoa! Stevie boy! Hey! Have a seat! Uh, he's working on a one-man show. Let him know. Give him some notes. Something like that. But the, the Steve Blackman character is very uh, one-note, but also used appropriately hilarious. So the hits, they keep on coming with the CWO. After Blackman, we've got... Glenn! Now, Glenn's a pretty big dude with a buzz cut. Uh, you know, he's definitely got a unique bone structure, but damn it, he's just the nicest guy ever. He's in his last year at the dental program at WWE University, and he's a bit of a trickster. Well, more of a type of guy that, you know, doesn't play tricks. He's not like it's Loki or something. He's not like, Father, I shall rule Asgard. I'm sorry? Did you say Asgard? No, 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 Asgard. I'm not going to do any more of that. But uh, he likes to do tricks, party tricks, that is. Tricks with booze and a lighter that often cause mm, a bit of a scenario that involves random background characters to be engulfed in flames. But hey, it's an animated cartoon show, so it doesn't really make a heap of difference to the main characters. So Glenn is in his last year as a dental program, as I'd mentioned. So he's one of the more seasoned guys in the CWO. He's been around WWE University for a while, and his girlfriend, Katie, is the head basketball cheerleader. So he's often attending the games. Now, he's got a little bit of a problem, though, okay? He goes to these games, and every time The Undertaker scores, well, Glenn, he gets an erection. Mm-hmm. Which often causes uh, confusion, chaos, uh, you know, when he's amidst the other fans there at the stadium. We later learn that that's because the soul of the wizard's dead wife took over Glenn as she fell in love with Mark, the Undertaker, during their night of passion. And she's using his body as a vessel occasionally. Uh, she's using the flames of love to sometimes turn Glenn into a, a red monster named Cain, a demon who's fueled by love. It's some really riveting, crazy stuff. And unfortunately, not only is Glenn trying to please Mr. McMahon, <laughs> please Katie, please the crew team, and take out ass, but he's also secretly in love with The Undertaker. I don't know why I did that English voice at the end. <laughs> we'll move right along. <laughs> The next member of the CWO is JJ. Now, JJ fancies himself to be, uh, I guess we'd call him the ultimate Southern gentleman. But instead of, you know, ironically wearing those like $800 button down shirts uh, with like $30 mesh shorts, uh, like a real 30 something uh, plantation legacy financial advisor Southern gentleman would do. He's constantly wearing what I can only describe as like a ridiculous Colonel Sanders suit. 
that has glowing lights on it. It's a sight to see. Very funny. Uh, he, he, they do this gag where he often mistakes large groups of people for an audience. And I'm like doing the finger quotes things. And he sings for them. And this irritates Dwayne to no end because we all know that Dwayne likes to fancy himself a bit of a songsmith. Jeff Jarrett, I'm going to kick your ass and make you drink my piss. I'll see ya. Um, yeah. So JJ, though, secretly has a soft spot for his rival, China, which is kind of cute. You know, but instead of asking her on a date, he's always like trying to get her to like come clean his house. And then hang out afterwards and listen to him uh, play a Dave Matthews song that he just taught himself. You know, so he's like, chicka chicka to China. Don't you know that I am here? I want to sing it to you now about a love that will never die. Oh, because I'm China, Billy. So, you know, that, that's kind of those are his words. Those aren't mine. You know, that's his gimmick. It's not mine. I don't want to steal that from you, JJ. But, you know, I got to imagine that's what those lovely songs are sounding like. And if you want to talk about lovely songs, I don't think you can have a conversation without ever taking trips down to Cobb County, Georgia. You better redesign respect for law and order. You're so hard times. Because the next member of the uh, CWO roster is Big Boss, which is obviously the Big Boss Man. But I guess somebody over there in Stanford, when they were producing this bad boy, is a fan of Metal Gear because they've just shortened his name to Big Boss, which is just fantastic and stupendous. I fucking love those Metal Gear games. And it's not so much the gameplay or the story or anything like that, but even though those are awesome, I, I just love how they use the phrase Metal Gear. You know, they find ways to make it like a, a, a declarative statement, an exclamation, or a question. So you've got, like, Metal Gear. You know, it's declarative. And then you've got Metal Gear, which is an exclamation. And then you've got Metal Gear, which is the question mark version. It's just stupendous. Uh, not as stupendous as that WrestleMania, though. So Big Boss is not actually a student or a member of the crew team itself, but he is an honorary member of the CWO. See, he's the only security guard that they have on campus. And like most 80s and 90s security guards, he's a bit of a bumbling fool. Uh, supposedly, it's the only job he could get. Because he was a former a former police officer in Cobb County, Georgia, serving law and order. Uh, but he got uh, busted when Internal Affairs conducted an investigation, and it was determined that he was stealing all of the free AOL uh, trial CDs from the mailbox. Uh, and those were supposed to be distributed evenly amongst the police officers in Cobb County, Georgia. So, uh, you know, you get DOS boot. Big Boss, sorry about that. He's like the first line of defense, though, against the asshouse pranks. So, you know, and it's one of those situations where, like, the CWO, like, they bribe him. You know, they're they like, hey, you know, make sure nobody gets in here, you big jabroni, and we'll invite you to the next party. And he's like, oh, man, I'll get some college poo-tang. Oh, that was a little Larry the Cable guy. Ew. And I don't like that I said poo-tang. Um, ugh. I, I'm going to – no, I'm going to leave it in and just let you see how disgusted I was. Um, but Big Boss doesn't mind. You know, he's not really in on the joke, but he likes the money. Apparently, he's secretly saving all of the money that the CWO is giving him so he can finance his dream project, uh, which is a Broadway musical about the man that, or man, I don't know, I didn't look it up, but about the person that invented bacon. And God loved that person so, so much. We're almost clear with the CWO, but no crew team is complete without the Coxswain, which is dangerously close to Coxman. The great phrase that I first heard in Wedding Crashers. He's like, I'm sorry, I'm not sorry, I'm a coxman. It's just fucking hilarious. But the coxswain, you guys know who that is. It's, it's like the person that yells stroke, 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 or row. I don't, you know, I don't fucking know what they say. It's just the dude with the headset or the person with the headset who tells the, the, the crew team what to do. But who's the best exercise or sports motivator in WWE history? You know, if you need to train and get toughened up for a big event, yo, Shane O'Mac, baby, come on, take that chicken, come on, it's Shane O'Mac, who ain't Austin, who ain't Austin? I mean, those fucking training videos are just legendary, but it is Shane O'Mac, or Shane McMahon, the demon seed of the Dean, all right? Uh, like I mentioned, he's the coxswain, he is a student at WWE University, um, he's 
taking the job as the coxswain to get back in the good graces of Dean McMahon, though, okay? Uh, we're in a weird situation where this version of Shane McMahon has kind of been shunned by the McMahon family. I mean, Vince acknowledges Shane. You know, he acknowledges he's his son. But he's not allowed to stay on the McMahon property, okay? In this cartoon WWE University version of the McMahon family, apparently it has a lot in common with, like, um, oh, the double O division from MI6. Because if you want to be a full-fledged double O or a full-fledged member of the McMahon family, you got to register two kills, okay? And Shane O'Mac only has one, and, and Vince is afraid he's never going to get that second one if he doesn't invoke some tough love on little baby Shane. Come on, Shane. Just... Just shoot the bastard. His his life's not worth spit. Get that kill. Become the McMahon. Uh, because of this uh, deficiency, Shane O'Mac, while a good student and a pretty decent coxswain and a fantastic training facilities manager, he has developed a bit of a cocaine problem to the point where at times he will ingest too much of the substance. And then he pulls like his sweater vest over his head and covers his hair and he turns into his alter ego, X-Punk. And, uh, you know, he'll run around town and be like, oh, what are you going to do? I'm X-Punk, baby. Yeah. You know, maybe he'll, like, rob a convenience store and take, like, a Snickers bar. Be like, this is my Snickers bar now, baby. I'm X-Punk. And X-Punk is ironically a thorn in, in the sides of both the CWO and the ass house because nobody's happy to see him show up because shit's about to get out of control. Luckily, though, when, with his hair obscured and that shirt pulled over his head, no one can tell that it's Shane McMahon, so uh, the mystery of X-Punk and his true identity revolves unsolved for most of the season. So, given that, that is the full roster of the CWO. So, if you want to run through these bad boys again real quick, let's do that and sum up this television program. So you got little Mikey Cole taken under the wing of the ass house with Stone Cold Steve Austin. Uh, prevent, uh, perennial uh, old man who fails to stay in college. Dude Love, the stoner. Taka, the nerdy tech guy. China and Miss Kitty, the token female character. I'm sorry, I don't actually believe that, but it really comes across that way now that I'm going through the roster. But China was the shit. I propose China as WWE champion for a month. Could have worked. Um, Mark Henry? who carries his hand and and does poetry slam the undertaker the living zombie that no one acknowledges going up against evil dean mcmahon with the cwo led by presidential candidate and asshole Dwayne kenny and kenny the shamrock twins conspiracy nut steve blackman glenn the lovely dentist who is controlled by his sexual urges jj the Southern Gentleman Who Doesn't Have a Clue, Big Boss, the inept security guard. Because you got to have an inept security guard if it's an 80s movie. Um, you guys ever seen Mannequin? I love that movie. Hollywood from Mannequin is an all-time character. Putting that out there. Uh, do some research. You'll, you'll agree. And Shane O'Mac, the coxswain of the CWO. And guys, that crazy cast of characters completes the WWE University character roster some crazy crazy fucks indeed so that wraps up the regularly scheduled topic for today's episode and i hope that it was entertaining humorous and also um thought-provoking i don't know is anything that i do thought-provoking i highly doubt it but with that in mind, I'm going to go into business for myself a little bit. Not really. I'm not going to like cut a, cut a shoot promo or anything. But I wanted to talk just for a moment uh, about WrestleMania, uh, the current product for a little bit. Not so much the current product itself, but um, you know, I just kind of wanted to wax poetic for a moment. I think that a lot of wrestling fans sort of bleed in and out of the product and what have you. And I, I guess I don't even know if that's a proper intro, but... I, what I wanted to do is sort of share the WrestleMania experience that I had and, and what it made me think about and consider. And I just wanted to put it out into the, I don't know, like the the culture or just mention it. I, I thought it was interesting. Okay, so 
one of okay so wrestlemania 17 right gets a lot of love obviously i uh i love it myself i'm a big fan huge fan we've all that was kind of trumpian we all love wrestlemania 17 i'm a big fan huge fan biggest fan of wrestlemania 17 there's ever been but what about 19 no that, that has nothing to do with it but so we've all watched wrestlemania 17 a lot okay and wrestlemania 17 has a simultaneously entertaining and also sort of ridiculous opening narration video, okay? It's very reminiscent of uh, Michael Bay's Armageddon. I believe in Armageddon, and Michael Bay's films are all over the place, just like Johnny C. That doesn't mean I endorse Michael Bay, but here's what I'm talking about. There's that scene in Armageddon where I think it's like the president of the United States or something like that is giving a big speech and you show people like from all around the world watching it. Now, if the Armageddon scenario was indeed happening, as it is in the movie, I can absolutely believe that a a broadcast that's being, you know, beamed across the planet and viewable by anyone that can receive it would indeed be viewed worldwide almost simultaneously uh, because, you know, the fate of the world is at hand. And that's a very dramatic situation. And I'm not trying to make light of any real world situations that are dire. I'm simply just trying to, to get to this point that I'm trying to illustrate. Okay. Now, WrestleMania 17 intro kind of aped that. And it's like a grand global scale event that unites us. And, 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 and it's, it sounds kind of like WWE or WWF at the time PR. Okay. Like really does WrestleMania really unite us? Does WrestleMania really, and I do think it kind of does in a lot of ways, to be honest with you. And I'm not saying that to be funny. Like, I think that, you know, just like how it, I don't know, uh, use like a, a movie release. Okay. You, you walk into a movie theater for like the Batman is full of people and you grab 10 random ones. Sure. Some of them may be alike in certain ways, but you probably might find a lot of differences, whether it's cultural, political, uh, anything. I mean, any difference. It doesn't matter. Gender, uh, fucking whatever. It doesn't. And, and I'm not trying to highlight differences in humanity to divide. Uh, I think different our differences make us stronger. But how this all relates back to the fucking WrestleMania 17 intro is that it's kind of funny because they show all these people watching WrestleMania in these really unique circumstances. Like you've got a person who's like on a rock peak by an ocean watching it on like a a, a portable TV. You've got the, the, the gentleman who's in, I, I think, I, you know, I'm just going to say in, who's in, in Asia and he's like a street vendor, but he's watching it on like a rabbit ears TV. And you've got the couple who's in like the backseat of a car that are watching it on like a TV. And it's laughable because it's 2001. And it's like, how the fuck you got the people that walk by the TV, uh, the, the store that's selling TVs and they all have it on there watching it in the window, which is like an archetype for this in a lot of movies. And it's kind of like, number one, how are all these tele rabbit ears televisions getting um, a broadcast signal for WrestleMania that's only available on a pay-per-view basis? Call your local cable operator. Don't get locked out. <laughs> that's a little mean gene for you. But it's so the whole thing well comes across as ambitious and well-intended, it's sort of laughable, okay? And here's where I'm going with this. So a couple years ago, I planned a vacation. Well, I, my family planned a vacation, okay? And we finally got to go on it during WrestleMania, all right? Now, I wasn't anywhere really exotic. I was in Florida, uh, which, you know, living in the north, uh, I guess Florida's a nice excursion point, although the state's kind of pissing me off these days. Irrelevant, not going to get into it. But it's WrestleMania Saturday, as the brass would love for us to call it. And, you know, I'm sitting on a beach. And, you know, my family's just gone up. And I said, hey, I'll, I'll be there in a minute. And I'm sitting on this beach, and the sun is setting. And I'm, I'm, I'm not trying to paint a very poetic picture. It just legitimately was what was happening. And I pulled out my phone. And I'm sitting on the beach, like, independent of the rest of the world, like, in my own little zone. And I'm just watching WrestleMania, having this experience that's making me feel happy. And it honestly made me think about that video. And I was like, holy fuck. I'm one of those people who's in a, I wasn't like remote or isolated, but I was, you know, I wasn't, 
but I, I'm, you know, I'm using 5G, and I'm, uh, 5G? You must have got that goddamn vaccine. What's wrong with you, Johnny C? Don't you know it's a trick for the government? Enough of that. Um, but, you know, so I'm like, fuck, man. We're there. We are there. So the little, I do think that these, these big entertainment events, these, these things, these, this content that people create, whether it's a film, a picture, a piece of art, whatever, a, a, mu a piece of music, uh, or a, a performance athletic contest being WrestleMania. It does unite people that normally don't unite for other reasons. So I buy into the WrestleMania 17 video because of that. I do believe that people that don't agree on other things may love be united by something as silly as a WrestleMania. We see that by all the diversity in the crowd at these things. You know, there's 80, a stadium of 80,000 people. There's no way that they're all the same. No way in hell. So the only other part of the WrestleMania 17 opening video that was lacking was the technological ability to be united by WrestleMania in circumstances where we normally couldn't. And fuck, we're there. The human race is not a perfect thing and by no means do I think that this cures that by any way shape or form and I don't want to over oversell it but fuck man it's so weird we're there we have the technology now to unite we have you know things that we can grab onto that unite us I don't know it kind of hit me in a spot which is why I just randomly decided to tack that on to the end of this episode that I recorded it, um, I don't have a, you know, there's no re, there's no way I can do a full podcast on this, and there's no other forum that I have, but, I don't know, it did it for me, it hit me in the right spot, so, you know, I hope your Mania experience was a positive one as well, and, uh, you know, I hope you enjoyed the, my little rant that I went on, you know, just something I wanted to get out into the open, but thanks again for joining us on the Multiverse of Fabulousness, and for giving a listen to everything that everyone contributes on the North-South Connection Podcast Network. Um, I'll see you guys the next time, and uh, do what you can between this and the next episode to unite the world on a globally streaming social media brand synergy platform. <laughs> you stay classy, San Diego.